Welcome to the Metta Hour with Sharon Salzberg, where Buddhist wisdom meets everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Be Here Now Network and features interviews with the top leaders, teachers, and thinkers of the mindfulness movement and beyond. For more information, visit BeHereNowNetwork.com backslash Sharon. Hi, I'm Sharon Salzberg, and I'm speaking today with Joelle L. Daniels. Joelle, also known as Joelle Leon, is a performer, author, and storyteller who writes and tells stories for Black people. Born and raised in the Bronx, Joelle specializes in moderating and leading conversations surrounding race, masculinity, mental health, creativity, and the performing arts, with love at the center of his work and purpose. He's a Creative Collective New York City Creative Class alumni, winner of the BCA Bronx Recognizes Its Own Award in Poetry, an author of Book About Things I Will Tell My Daughter, and God Wears Do-Rags Too. His TED Talk on Healthy Co-Parenting has been viewed over 1.5 million times. Joelle has worked with the Gates Foundation, HBO, Nike, Twitter, and the Today Show and has been featured in Ebony, The Independent, Newsweek, Medium, BBC News, Sirius XM, Forbes, The Huffington Post, Blavity, and others. His most recent project is a spoken word album, Soundtrack to a Riot, which was released in August of 2021. Welcome back to the Meta Hour, Joel. You know... I need to, I feel like I said this before. I need to cut this bio because I don't like you having to read all of that stuff. That is a lot of things. <laughs> That's <Jared>. good. There's <laughs> a lot of things to read. I don't want you going Well, there's going to be more and more as we yeah. get on in years, you know? Like, you know, just, just, I'm just going to have to reshuffle. Cut, you know, cut. Just, just, just cut some things <laughs> now, you know? But it is my it is my absolute pleasure, Sharon. My absolute pleasure and joy to be sharing space with you again. So, well, hi, hello. You. Hello, hello. So let's start with what uh, I spoke about last, which was the Spoken Word Project, Soundtrack to a Riot. So can you tell us about what inspired you to do it and what it's about? You know, I was um, I was in a uh, it, I was in a space um, artistically, I think, and, and maybe energy and heart wise where where I was finally, I think, open to explore. I think um, a lot of the times when I'd been making music or, or making art, whether it had been a book or, or just writing a poem or writing a rap, whatever, it always been with like a, a kind of formulaic set way in like, OK, I'm going to I'm going to get some beats for some producers and I'm going to have a title and a concept for the album and I'm going to have. And then there's going to be like a process. And, and this did not follow that at all. It was not streamlined in the least. It was very much um, sporadic. Um, you know, I had some friends in the um, uh, uh, in the recording academy who were asking spoken word artists to create more spoken word albums, honestly, um, to bulk up the category and to make sure that the category of spoken word at the Grammys um, had its own category. Because right now, spoken word is shared with audiobooks. So like mm. Obama... Obama and and the poet Jay Ivey can both be up for a Grammy in the spoken word category. Wow. And if you're a spoken word artist, that doesn't really make any sense. Right. Um, so like wanting to create separate distinctions for both categories and part of that then part of that being 
there needs to be more spoken word albums. And so that was our call to action. And I was like, uh, this doesn't really follow my formula. Do I want to do this? And then I was like, why not? Like, you know, I have, we don't have a, res- a recording space in, in the apartment. And for those listening, like I currently live in 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 Brooklyn, Bed-Stuy. Um, but I think part of it is me knowing that I have like room to like do things in, in this mm-hmm. space. And so I had a little equipment. I had my phone because, you know, you can like record things on your phone now that like sound yeah. like like they have quality. And so over the course of four nights, you know, I took some pieces that I had written and I said, OK, let me just play with these and record it and make a thing out of it. And I did. And it was such a joyous, beautiful experience to be able to to to, to do that and not have to. Um, I think the way that we function now as artists has shifted so much where, you know, we, mm-hmm. honestly, you know, before you and I hopped on Sharon, I was talking to Lily and it was like, things are so different because before we would just go to a studio to record right, this conversation. Right, right. But, you know, technology has afforded us the opportunity to, to not have to do that if things are preventing us from doing so. Um, and so it was nice to be able to record in the privacy and comfort of my home and do it on my own without needing to rely on other people in order to make my art, which is my favorite way to make art, mm-hmm. um, you know? Um, and so the project in and of itself is really me exploring what a riot gets to sound like from the Black male perspective, um, mm. from the Bronx-born perspective, from the perspective of a pandemic. Um, mm. You know, I, I think it, it allowed me to look at many different different facets of the energy um, that was showing up in the past two and a half years, really, for mm-hmm. me specifically, and hoping mm-hmm. that was able to translate to other people as well. You know, it was mm-hmm. it was a it, it was a and I hadn't recorded in like five, like about five to seven years. So wow. it was nice to be able to get back into that space. Wow. I mean, something about that kind of inspiration where you just you're moved to do it. And yeah. you don't quite know even what's going to happen to it, you know. But yes. Yeah. You're moved yeah. to do it. That's great. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it was, and I think, like you said, like being moved to do it and not necessarily having to be, I've spent a decent amount of my time as an artist, if I'm being honest, being, trying to be intentional, but also strategic. Like mm-hmm. if I drop this around this time and this feels timely, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, not kind of throwing all that to the wind and just going, okay, this is what I want to do. And let me just do it and then see what happens. You know, that was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fantastic, you know, because it's, I mean, the industry is an industry, you know, and, yeah. and it's its always that boundary of art and commerce, and um, or it's doing it a whole other way, which is kind of intriguing. I mean, years and years ago, Joseph Goldstein and I did what we call the correspondence course mm-hmm. with his company Sounds True, and um came about totally accidentally. It was... 12 uh, tongs, uh, and it was on cassette cassette tapes. It was that long ago. Mm. So one side of the cassette had a talk by one of us, and the other side of the same cassette had a guided mm. meditation by the other one of us. And, you know, so I, I made this arrangement with um, Tammy Simon and when I was in Boulder and uh, came back and told Joseph, we're recording a correspondence course. And... and uh, and then, you know, I just was trying to figure out, like, what topic should we include in this and that? And I said something yeah. to Tammy, like, well, there could be 15 talks. And then she said, no, there have to be 12. 
And I said, why 12? And she said, because that's, that's how many cassettes the case fits. And I thought, really? <laughs> We're designing yeah. this whole curriculum around, you know, the plastic case, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I guess that's we are, because it fits yeah. 12, you know? That's yeah. what we did. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and it's like we've, so, so much of how I think the industry like has been set up. It is, it's, it's a formula, right? There's like a certain way to do yeah. things. And I think the way in, you know, I think what's inspired me about you, what's inspired me about the work that you do. And I think what's inspired me about the work that our community has been doing, especially mm-hmm. when we talk about mindfulness, um, it, it's really been about not necessarily following the formula at all. It's like the, the, the formula is like being kind of, if even that is a formula, you know? Mm-hmm. And so what, what feels right, um, in, in this moment. And I could have not done the project. You know, there was something in me that was like, uh, I don't know, because it's not the formula. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't have all these, all these things that normally I would have in order to move forward or make me mm-hmm. feel confident enough to move forward. And it was like, doesn't, does it matter? You know, like I, I, not for nothing. I think a lot of what I've been talking, talking about and, and, um, talking in conversation with folks and community with folks has been about like our impending mortality, yeah. you know, like, like we're leaving, you know? And so whether that's tomorrow or 10, 10 years from now or 80 years from now. And so I just want to do things. I want to experience things and, mm-hmm. and I want to, and I, and I don't, without the, without the need to have it fit into a box, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I think, you know, whether it's a, a box of 17 tracks or like 12 cassette packets, you know, it's like wanting to like not be in the box anymore. I think, yeah. You know, that's so great. I, I was talking to um, Parker Palmer, who's his friend and educator, and we, we were doing this webinar together and he uh, just he just had a birthday. He turned 84, I think, mm. 83 or 84. And he said that he was brought in uh, to a meeting with um, Andrew Young, and who was like 92 or something like that, and had been mm-hmm. very close to Martin Luther King Jr. and And uh, he said they were supposed to bring in like a younger person to have a conversation with him, but they brought in me. So <laughs> I mean, he's like a barely younger. But anyway, <laughs> no, still, uh, <laughs> he said. Um, he was very surprised to hear from uh, Andrew Young that when, I mean, they were all obviously, you know, really young at the time of the civil rights movement and that when Martin Luther King would talk to them, he talked to them so often about death mm-hmm. and reflecting on your own death and, uh, you know, and the power of that and, and it bringing that sense of, you know, courage and, and presence. And it was mm-hmm. just kind of a surprise, you know, like, yeah. Uh, to hear because we're you know often so reticent to like bring it up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder. I wonder too. Like when I think about, um, like even like age, right? Yeah. Like I, I I'm I'm going to be forty um, next year, which. Um, and and don't yell at me for this, Sharon. But like, I start to feel like, oh, I'm feeling like I'm getting old, and I'm not. I know yeah. I'm, I'm getting old. I know I'm a baby, and like by numerically, right? I'm yeah. getting older. Like, yeah. there's like a thing that's happening. Yeah. But I, but but I, I don't know. I, I I think also. I mean, maybe this kind of brings 
you sharing that kind of brings to mind for me a question. It's like, what, what did it feel like, if you can recall, like, what did it feel like for you to be 40 in comparison mm-hmm. to now with like how you show up in the world? Like, what, uh-huh. what did, did things have to, like, did things shift willfully for you? Did you have to shift things? Like, what, what was that experience like for you out of curiosity? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a lot of different things because, um, you know, I did so many significant things very young. Like, I went to India when I was 18 years old. Yeah. Um, I'd gone to college when I was 16. I went to India when I was 18. And and in India, you know, all those many years ago, I met, like, Joseph and, you know, people that I'm still very, very close to. And and so I was always like the baby because I was like really young, and then, yeah, and they were they were maybe seven years older than I or eight years older than I, and and uh, but I was always the youngest. And then all of a sudden I was like not that young anymore, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, it it was very interesting, and and uh, now of course they see even even more change because it's true. Just what people say. It's like like I'm writing a book right now, and. You know, I'm saying things that are um, said in a certain way, and then and I think, oh, maybe I should soften that. And I think, no, I don't care. <laughs> you know, like mm. that's the way I want to say it. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, I- it gets it, it definitely gets better, but it's also weird. You know, like I don't feel mm. my I you know actual age, and so yeah. Um, if somebody said to me, "Oh, you're this age, you're 69," I would think, "I'm not. I am. Like, no, no." Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I get that. I mean, because I feel that way now. Like, I don't. Whatever 39 or like pushing 40 feels like, I don't feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's something, and I think that speaks to. Um, I don't. I think that speaks. I feel like energy is a word that gets used so often now, mm-hmm, especially mm-hmm. by like millennials and geriatric millennials like such as myself and gen Zers, mm-hmm. it's like energy energy and it's like mm-hmm. but it's true there's a there there's an energy that you 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 bring forward that i think i don't want to yes it's youthful because it's open and it's expansive mm-hmm. and i think when folks are moving in that way it it just really does get to feel and be um it, it lives outside of like age parameters, mm-hmm. I think, which is why I think too. Also, like when I think about our connection, like that exists, that that this exists outside of that. You know, I think there are more mm-hmm. like yeah. logistical things that you can speak to that I wasn't present for that yeah. I would have to like, you know, like that would require would require like deeper introspection on my part, you know. Mm-hmm. But the energy is is the same, so it doesn't yeah. it translates, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's great. So let's look at our times. You know, we're recording yeah. uh in March. I don't know exactly when this will be on the mm-hmm. air. And um I know you're such a, a big proponent of mental health and yeah. these past few years have been such a t- tough time for so many people. Yeah. Um with COVID and everything going on. So how how are you feeling about uh life in these days uh you know it, i think you and i talk about this and i don't know if i if um 
I've said it as clearly, but, you know, I've been trying to make as much room as possible for multiple things to be true. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. the, 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 um, the uh, duality and really yeah. more so like there's, there's more than just two things happening at once at times. And I feel like um, I've just, I've just been really blessed, you know, and, and blessed, not just, not in like a religious uh, holy way, but just been really grateful for the, for, for the life that I'm leading right now. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the community that I have, because I think, a word that's been coming up for me a lot, and I don't know if it's been coming up for you, but 2022 has really been about community for mm-hmm. me. Um, uh, it's been about communion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's these things that just have brightened my world in so many ways. Um, and so, like, even sitting with sitting with you and, and having conversations with you, it's like it's, I always look forward to these, and I think... This work um, has the work that I've been doing now, I think, on, on, for myself and not like work, my nine to five work, but like mm-hmm. spirit work of like sitting more with things, trying to be more present um, mm-hmm. and, and trying to be uh, and, and be more activated in certain ways. I think I think there's been like a calling together that I've mm-hmm. been very much responsive to. Um, and like this is something, again, Lily and I were talking about before, before we jumped on, it's like, mm-hmm. we, we need each other, you know, Sharon, yeah. like we need, yeah. like, and physically, like there's something to be said for being able to hug people and yeah. sit across from a person. And so this year has just been, I, I've been feeling really, um, just really humbled and honored for the opportunity to show up to do the work. Um, cause I think. There had been a couple of years ago, I was doing the work, but I was tired because there was so much work that I had yet to do on my on self mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that I was I wasn't as aware of. I think you know I was I was digging through a, a, a depression that I wasn't even aware was a depression that I was sitting with. Mm-hmm, and and mm-hmm. um, you know it was the pandemic, it was postpartum yeah. because of the birth of my toddler. You know my eldest Lila, she had left the city and then moved to Houston with her mother in 2020, and so. All those things were like the perfect storm. And then mm-hmm. I was just working. I was just consistently working. And, you know, there were so many opportunities that came up because I think when folks such as yourself and, and I think myself, when we're when we're present and we're being mindful, when things are happening in the world and in communities, people reach out because they don't have they're looking mm-hmm. for like a roadmap and they yeah. think for some yeah. they think for some reason we have it. Um and yeah. so yeah. where it's like helping folks walk through through whatever pastures they're trying to figure out because they feel like there's answers that we have answered for ourselves. And mm-hmm. I had, it, and I haven't, you know, I have, I haven't figured it out. I'm, 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 I'm walking, you know, and I, I think I'm walking better now maybe or mm-hmm. differently. I don't even know better is the right word, but I'm, I feel like I'm walking differently, a little more relaxed in, mm-hmm. in 20, mm-hmm. 2022 than I was, than I have ever, honestly. Well, you know, I think what really people get is just a sense of connection. It's not even the words or yeah. even from Twitter or, you know, where it's where I met you. But there's something about the way you say things or the presence that you put into the the tweet or, you know, the care. It's like, I think that's what people really get. It's like in my early teaching career, which is 10,000 years ago because I'm that old, um, you know, and I was totally, totally unable to give talks because I was, I couldn't speak 
I couldn't do public speaking because I was terrified. And what? I, yeah, I was totally terrified. And and I, my big fear was that I was going to be giving a talk, and my mind was going to go totally blank, and I was just going to be sitting there like a fool, you know, like I don't know what to say now. <laughs> You know, and it's interesting because I took to Pema Chodron once and I told her that. And she said, oh, all these years I've been afraid that um, I'd be speaking about one topic and my my mind would leap to a whole other topic. And suddenly I'd be talking about that. And she said, in all these years, no one's ever complained. <laughs> you know, and I think, yeah, you know, because yeah, there's something, yeah. you know, the funniest part when, when it happens sometimes is like somebody will say, to me, it meant so much when you said like ABC, and mm-hmm. I'm sitting there thinking, I don't say ABC. It's <laughs> not a thing I say, <laughs> you know. But somehow you heard what you needed to hear, yeah. and I'm so grateful, <laughs> you know. I don't say I've never said say ABC. That, you know? like, <laughs> it's not language that comes out of my mouth. That's so. But I love you saying that because I think I you're you see I want to get to that place. Because when people, sometimes a person will tell me that and I'd be like, did I say that? I guess I yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. And maybe yeah. I didn't. Maybe, thank you for that. Maybe it's just, it's the translation. You know, I, I think, yeah. you, like there's, there's, there are ways that you show up in the world that for me, like I've been talking about empathy and compassion. Yeah. Every everywhere I go, I'm like, you know, Sharon Salzberg wrote this, wrote this really amazing book, and in it she has this conversation, and she talks about empathy and compassion, and essentially the difference between the two. And that was life changing for me because I think for me, it it made me really look at where um, where am I activated, you know, and like yeah. how can and, and and activated in a way that's like intentional and kind, but then also mindful and not like. Uh, not um not overstepping my privilege because I think that can be a thing mm-hmm. too where it's mm-hmm. like oh I ha- I have a platform now I have a mm-hmm. voice it can be easy it can you can easily fall victim to this idea of like I know mm-hmm. you know um but like the com- the empathy and compassion things it, it it's I don't know how to explain it it just it shifted things for me but I could be getting it wrong like I can't remember what exactly <laughs> was said in the book but I got from it what I needed to get that's from right. it you know that's right. yeah. and 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 I think I heard somebody else say this recently and like we're translators yeah. like you translate things for people you know like we are translators like we are and it's really just now that I'm leaning into this language so thank you for that for for saying that like today even I was thinking like how there's like another level or layer of like translation that I want to get to. And I don't know what that is yet. And some of that might be like, do I, you know, am I, is it me being really, really intentional about speaking in like African-American vernacular? And I was like, maybe, but I don't want to, that's not it. It's like, I want to, I want to make sure that it's really clear, but it's also clear in my language. Um, mm-hmm. And I think just the I think even just thinking about that is going to create room for it. But yeah, like the, I love how you said that. Like it's it's translating. I'm we're just translating things for people. I think. I think it's true, and so much of it has to do with the heart. Honestly, I really do believe that it's just it's the connection because people will hear different things, and and it's not that you don't have anything specific to offer because of course you do. You know, we we all do, but yeah. Um, you know, I think mostly what people really do get is the sense of, um, like I, I once I was teaching, 
here also a million years ago, and I was asleep. It was before we had a house, so I was sleeping in the center. And uh, in in my sleep, I had a dream, and in the dream, someone asked me, um, why do we love people? And in the mm-hmm. dream, I responded by saying, because they see us. And then mm. I woke up and I thought that was really good. You know, like, <laughs> that, that was really good. That was really that's good. That's that was good, you know. And <laughs> and that, I think that's you know even and it, what amazes me is that it works even when we're not physically present. Someone can feel seen. They can feel um, validated in what they're feeling. That they, they realize you're not freaked out about what they're feeling. They don't have to be so freaked out about what they're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to be so freaked out. I, I, you know, I was having a conversation with um with, with my coworkers earlier, and we were talking about going back into the office, yeah. and you know, it, it was nice. And literally, I had just had a conversation with my partner, uh, like maybe an hour or so, about like, oh, you know, we're gonna be going back in the office, and I'm kind of anxious, you know. And it's like mm-hmm. I haven't been in the office since I haven't been in 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 an office for a, almost two years. I haven't, I've met a couple of my coworkers, but not in the office. It's like, it's an office setting. Like I'm fine commuting. Like I've been taking the train here and there. Like I've been meeting people. So like going outside is not the thing that's like, oh, but it's going into a working environment with my colleagues and getting to know and understand behaviors and like, you know, who goes Mm -hmm. where for coffee, learning. I've never Mm -hmm. been in the, I've never been in the New York Times building before. So I have to, I have to get familiar with that. And that's a whole new process that I have to kind of, configure to. And everyone said the same thing. It was like, everybody else was like, oh yeah, I didn't say that to them, but one of my coworkers was on the call and she was in the office today. Mm-hmm. And she was like, she was like, she was like, yeah, she was a little anxious. She was anxious going in. And it was like, oh, that made me feel better because it was somebody else reflecting an experience that I felt was solely an experience I was having, which is seldom if never the case, yeah. you know? Right. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, we're, you know, we're getting, we're, we're mirroring. This is cool. You know? Yeah. 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 Oh, it's a lot of dislocation. It's like, mm. wow. You know, I think I, I know um, several people who work in, in some business in New York City where the business expanded just before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't have enough room, so they rented a whole other floor or something like that, you know? And then wow. It's yeah. just been like empty for two years. You know, it's just like, it's all so weird. Yeah, it um, is. It, it is. You know, and, and people are hurting, which is also, you know, really sad. And and as is so often the case, people can commonly blame themselves for what they're feeling instead of thinking, this is a pretty awful circumstance for a long time you know <laughs> yeah. like i survived yeah. like that's yeah. good yeah yeah and it's it's I, I tweeted something i survived i tweeted something um recently and i was just like and i was just talking about my work as an artist but uh, what i what i the thought that came to mind when i was typing was like you know the the circumstances that create the work do not either devalue or um like add merit to the work. It's it's mm-hmm. about the work, you know, and it's easy to look at, you know, um, it's what am I not, like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing whatever. And like, we can be cognizant and aware of the circumstances, but the circumstances don't take away or add to like, I think the, the presence and the intentionality behind the work. 
mm-hmm. you know? And so it's easy to say, well, and granted, we can we can also on that like adverse to that, you can go, oh, I did this, this, and this during a pandemic. Look at me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also like the it's so much is shifting because of the pandemic and because of the world we're living in. And you know, when you, you know, it's what it's March two thousand and twenty two, and we're talking yeah. about like a potential world war. Like I yeah. didn't, yeah. I thought I think we moved past this already, right? But it's the circumstances, right? All these things, this upheaval, this chaos that mm-hmm. is happening. And it's easy to forget that that's happening. Like, it's a thing yeah. that is happening amidst you having to pay bills or go grocery shopping or take care of your family or write a book, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, with 10,000 more words, you okay. know, that need to be added. <laughs> You know, not to be, not to remind you. <laughs> you Thank know, <laughs> you. I love you too, Sharon. It's like you know, it, it, it's like there's so many things happening. So, how are we showing up for the things that are happening and giving us like grace is another word that's been coming up a lot mm-hmm. for me too. Mm-hmm. Like, like how much like. Like, how much grace are you giving yourself? Okay, cool. Can you give yourself a little more? Because I'm pretty sure what you're giving yourself right now is like grade. It's not grade A level grace. You're giving yourself mm-hmm. like the bare minimum of grace because of whatever. But you're we're not considering all the other things that are affecting the work potentially. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. You know, I really I meant it about I survived because I have a friend who um he wrote about this, so I'm not like. I always get nervous when we say I have a friend too, and people are going to think, "Boy, you can't tell her anything; she'll tell the world." <laughs> you know, so I want to say I don't. I don't repeat stories that they don't tell themselves. You know? FYI, sometimes yes. very publicly, but uh, um, or else I, you know, I change it so that you could never ever guess who I'm talking about. Yeah, um, fair. So I have a friend who survived a, a terrible accident, and. Um, in the process of trying to save his wife, which he did, oh my God. Um, he he ended up uh, throwing her in a way that she got an injury, mm. and uh, you know. And then they were in um, they were in my life before, you know. And then mm-hmm. so I was just in touch, and and uh, they ended up seeing this trauma therapist who was fabulous and saved them in so many ways, um, from just the emotional burden of so much that had happened. And, uh, you know, like long hospitalizations and all these things. And, and so at one point yeah. he, he said the therapist had given him almost like a mantra, gave him this saying, you know, mm-hmm. which was, I survived. And I said, you didn't realize you survived, you know, like, yeah. shouldn't that have been yeah. obvious? And, <laughs> and, and, but he actually was really torn up with guilt about having hurt his wife, yeah. which was so irrational. Hmm. Um, but it's just what our minds do sometimes. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, sometimes it, it was, it was very impactful for him to actually repeat to himself, I survived. Like, I'm here. Mm. I'm okay. Mm. Mm. I think, too, there's something to be said for the speaking of a thing. I think mm-hmm. I, I think we we can either give power or take power away. But, I'll, you know, when I was able to put language to my depression, yeah. it, 
you know, and I didn't say it magically cured my depression. That's not it. But once I finally had language to it and I could speak truth to what I mm-hmm. was enduring, it allowed for me to engage with it in a way that wasn't um, not dishonest because it wasn't like I was saying I'm not depressed. But I think actually, no, I take that back. I definitely at one point said I'm not depressed. Mm-hmm. Um but saying it out loud gave me a, a sense of liberation that I hadn't mm-hmm. felt because it was like, oh, I can put a name to this thing. I have language for it now. Because yeah. specifically, yeah. I knew I was going through and processing high-functioning depression, right? Mm-hmm. Because I knew I could, I, I was excelling at work, you know? And when I was called for an IG Live or a panel, I was doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can look back now and I can see the level of ease that I have now. And that's because of the lack of barriers mm-hmm. that I had. Like my heart wasn't closed, but there were probably there were a lot of things that were keeping me from from feeling the totality and fullness of the work mm-hmm. that I was doing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because of so many of the circumstantial things that were affecting it, like a pandemic and, you know, like having a child in a pandemic and not being a being away from my other child in a pandemic. And mm-hmm you know, the state of the world, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. like all these things that we are feeling. And, you know, I, I do, and also too, and, and I, not to, I don't think this is getting off track, but like when I think, when we talk about being empathetic, and I feel like you might've written about this in some way, but like, and people being empaths, and it's this notion, mm-hmm. I think sometimes mm-hmm. of like consistently and constantly falling on a sword. Like I feel everything, I feel everything. And it's like, yeah, you feel everything, but you don't have to become everything that you're feeling, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And there's like work, there's more work involved with that, but you could get to be an empath without having to feel, without having to take on the pressures and weight of the world as like almost like a mm-hmm, mm-hmm. empathetic, empathetic martyr, yeah. you know? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And I feel like I was doing that to a certain extent at some point, not like necessarily saying, oh, I feel everything and this is why, but I could see how I was letting things get to me in simplest, yeah. as simply as I can put it, you know? Yeah, oh, definitely. Well, I think it has, you know, it's hard to put it in words, but it has something to do with space, you know? Like, it's one mm. thing if something enters us so deeply and it inhabits yeah. us and we're kind of caught in it and there's almost no separation between the rest of our being or our awareness and Mm-hmm. And the thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whereas it's different when there's just some some greater amount of space. Same thing, maybe, you know, same memory or mm-hmm. distressing image or feeling or something like mm-hmm. that. But but it's it's different. It's a little bit like um, you know, from what I understand about some trauma um reflections, you know, if something happened when you were two years old and you adapted some strategy in order to survive that was probably very smart you know like mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. you left your body or you, you know whatever you did it was very smart at the time and now you're you know 50 years old and you're doing the same thing mm-hmm. uh you know to to realize um deeply you know like I'm an adult actually I'm not 2 years old I'm not vulnerable that way yeah, you know, this yeah. is not a question of survival. Actually, my awareness is bigger mm. than the fear that is coming up or the sensations that are coming up in my body, and and that's a genuine. It's not trying to avoid the pain or anything, but it's a genuine realization. Like, mm. oh, it's different now. 
mm. you know, mm. and I can mm. have some perspective. I can have some space, and it's all about space because you're not also saying, hopefully, I shouldn't feel this, and this is, you know, for right. cowards or whatever, but <laughs> right. I feel what we feel, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We feel what we feel. And, like, even, like, you mentioned space and, you know, it makes me even think about physical space, you know, yeah. like yeah. around the same time that mm-hmm. I was able to say, oh, you know what? I, I'm depressed. I have this language for it now. Mm-hmm. We had just moved into a bigger apartment in, in, mm-hmm. in, in, in Bed-Stuy. And I think from like, we went from like our smaller um, one bedroom to, 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 to more bedrooms essentially. And being able to do that, I think also afforded us space, mm-hmm. you know? So like, when I need time, I can go to, I can go into this office room and just like, I can close the doors and I can read or if there's ever time to read, but there's, I can now like there's space to do things and there's, but there's also space and spirit. But I think Mm -hmm. those things coincided with each other. And and it also makes me think about, again, the privilege of that, you know, even granted, not necessarily correlated, but when I think about the story you shared, um, about the husband and wife and like, you know, reconciling the privilege and sometimes how that privilege can be harmful. Um, And so part of that work, I think part of the work for me and what I think for all of us is not just being cognizant of the privilege and of like, okay, well, I survived this thing, you know, which is, is, which is, I think, a beautiful statement to make. But I think also too, um, and also in conjunction with like the empathy and compassion conversation, Mm-hmm. Um, which have, which I've translated into like compassion is empathy in action, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I I am if I am if I've survived, what do I do with that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like and for me, my survival has now been how do I use it as a testimony for others to not give them a roadmap, but to mm-hmm. to essentially translate for folks what that looked like for me because it might look similar for you, and the path is going to be different, but. Here's some things that I learned and gleaned along the way that I hope could be of assistance to you. Like, how am I using my survival as a as a as a mechanism for change and compassion, and also for like growth for others? You know. No, I think it's really crucial because I was talking to somebody earlier today, and um, who maybe was closer to my age than your age. <laughs> I'm teasing you, um, but we're talking about like my parents' generation. And, you know, people like my father went off and fought in World War II. And um, she uh, was working with a lot of people who I suspect were children of Holocaust survivors, you know. Yeah. And, and so it was like the trauma of a generation. And the people like my father who came back from the war didn't come back and, and say – Either I survived or this is what it was like. They just mm-hmm. drank, you know, and they never said a word about it. Yeah, ever, yeah. ever, ever. You know, with a lot of really terrible, terrible consequences. And, uh, but it was so many, I know so many people's fathers who were like that, yeah. you know, from that time. And, um, you know, to, to give voice and, and to sort of be a part of a larger cultural voice that acknowledges, yes. Mm. This is this can be really hard, or we can get depressed, or um, you know, depression is a complicated thing. Maybe uh, you look at five different things that are feeding into it. You know, that are yeah. 
um, something like that. It's really important because without that external, I think, kind of cultural buy-in, then we're really adrift, you know? Mm, mm, yes. And and that's the, you know, and, and that's the thing I've struggled with a little. It's like not when I look at the state of like just if we look just looking at America, right? Mm-hmm. There are always going to be there are always going to be people who yeah. are not aligned, you know, yeah, like yeah. in who who don't get it, who don't have access to the language, who don't have tools, mm-hmm. you know, and wanting so much for everybody, but knowing like, you know, we all have free will. Yeah. And so what I don't want to say I'm asking for your advice here, but it's something I struggle with a lot. It's this notion that because like don't want to be fatalistic, right? Because mm-hmm. you know I, I think I think about Tanahisi Coates and like mm-hmm. how he's kind of made a shift. Where at one point he was like, racism is never going to end. Mm-hmm. He was like, it's just I just don't see it, and I'm trying to not be in that space because he's also shifted to like mm-hmm. I don't think racism is going to end in my lifetime, which I mm-hmm. know for certain is not going to happen in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it might happen in my children's 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 lifetime, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, but then when I think about climate change and yeah. like so much in, when I think about, I saw a tweet recently, um, and they were talking about the pandemic and I bring this up because uh, in the tweet, the person mentioned World War Two, and, uh, like what are like the ration books that yes. people had, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I can't, it's hard for me to imagine that happening today. Yeah. Um, and and not in and I don't want to be a negative Nancy in this way, but like recognizing that we've we've been slowly shifting into this version of ourselves that is focused on what I need in survival. It's survival. Like I need I personally, me, ego, self needs to survive. Mm-hmm. And that survival is not contingent on how other people are showing up in the world. Yeah. Um, and like how making room for that dissonance, like knowing that cultural shifts need to happen and they are happening. Like we can look now, like to your point, you know, the fact that I get to have conversations with my daughter about her body. Mm-hmm. I don't, that, that wouldn't have happened in that wasn't happening as often as it is now, mm-hmm. you know? And so that gives me hope, but then it's also like, uh, like, is that short-sighted? Like how, like, how have you been able to do this work that you do so well? Um, while in remaining in, in remaining as like steadfast in this work, well, I mean, while looking around and seeing uh, like things turning to shit, <laughs> it's like well, they're bad. <laughs> they are bad. <laughs> you know, like that balancing act that I feel like that that you that I know that you're continuing to do, but how do you continue to do it? I guess is probably the question I'm trying to ask you. Yeah, I mean, the work is you know, um, I, I kind of not not marred or compromised, you know, by, first of all, not everybody uses it. So you can't really say the tool is not working because mm-hmm. who knows, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it, it, it's not an instantaneous tool, you know, mm-hmm. like or set mm-hmm. of tools, things are slow and yet maybe very steady. I, I do feel, I mean, it's scary sometimes, you know, um, just to sense this much hatred in, in the mm-hmm. air and, but it's also, um, you know, partly this is now I'm feeling really like a mature person. <laughs> I don't know if this is you know? like, partly it is being older, as terrible as things have been and can be, and mm-hmm. can be into the future. Um, 
there's something about uh, knowledge and openness that mm. is different. It's just different. And yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I trying to think how old was I when I came to understand that someone uh, could be a homosexual, as we would say, mm. and it was not young. You know, like yeah, yeah. It, it was just like it's all hidden, it's all quiet, it's all. Mm. Um, and I think I contrast that to say my goddaughter, who's in her early twenties, who just like. It's inconceivable that she wouldn't have known that from the time mm -hmm. she was four. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love that because I think it's easy for us to limit how expansive our hearts can be. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and it's also easy to forget. It was what I try to remind. I, I, I use I use language like context and nuance a lot because mm -hmm. I think it's so easy to forget the context in which things are happening. Like you said it yourself when you were talking about like we're you know we're in a pandemic. It's yeah. Like it's easy to forget that the context of these things matter. So, you know, uh, an example. I was uh, I, I was I was a part of this really great cast of of black folks who were talking about black masculinity. Mm -hmm. And um, Justice, who was sitting next to me, Justice, who identifies as they, them. My mom, my mom got the, my mom watched this, right? It was like an ABC News Live special. She oh, got to watch mm -hmm. it on, on Hulu. It was really cool. Like, my mom got to see me like on TV. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had a conversation a couple of days after and we were talking and she was like, Justice, he's like, you know, my mom was Western. And Justice is like, he's a like gay, right? He's like, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, my object justice identifies as queer, identifies as they, them. And she was like, they, them, you know, I just want people to do what they want to do. And oh, cool, mom. <laughs> you know, but, 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 but my mom is like, but it was, she was like, she was saying how interesting it was because yeah, yeah. I think, and what I think about is the context. Like my mom, my mom came to the States when she was what, 20, 21. My mom mm -hmm. is 75 now. She the conversations that were happening around the queer community and homosexuality yeah, yeah, yeah. were different for folks who weren't in the community. And I think yeah. that too is just a big, such a big part of this. Like when we talk about intersectionality, all this language that I mm -hmm. learned, Sharon, I learned from social media. I yeah, learned from yeah. like, you know, and part of that is like, there was language that was very much a part of certain circles of communication. So if you went to a university and maybe you and you were a part of the African-American studies program or your parents were, or you had friends or cousins who were, you were probably being put on to certain kinds of books, certain mm -hmm. kinds of literature. If you had friends who were in the queer community, like the first time I had a queer friend was in high school, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And like the idea that, and I went to a performing arts high school. And so the context is matter. The context matters there yeah. because you had a community of folks who were more open and yeah. who who were and you had folks who were more supportive of that openness mm -hmm. um you know like all these things matter and the but the more we create space for that the more we we create space for ourselves to mm -hmm. like examine other things too right like yeah. well how do i identify am i attached to this identity mm -hmm. what does this identity even mean like mm -hmm. these again are conversations that i wasn't even a part of yeah i went like 10 years ago yeah, you know, yeah. It, it's it's yeah. So like even holding space with you, like you've been doing this, you've been doing this work, and but for mm -hmm. me, this is new, new. Like we're talking nine, nine, 
yeah, about nine years, roughly, honestly, maybe more so. But this is new work for me and I'm still learning the language. But there's so many folks, to your point, who don't have the tools. So we're judging people based on and like we assume people have the tools because we think we all have the same access. Mm -hmm. You know, but we we don't. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I have a colleague who used to, when we were teaching together, she used to say quite a lot, um, everyone's just doing the best that they can. And I would sit there and think, I don't know about that. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm a New Yorker first and foremost. You know, like, Thank you. Uh, I don't Thank know. You. Uh, probably not. <laughs> probably not. And then I read this uh, great quote from Maya Angelou who said it, you know, better than I'm about to say it, but something like... Um, when we know better, we do better. Mm. And, mm. and then I could hear that more than everyone's doing the best that they can, although they mean the same yeah. thing. Yeah, no, um, I get it. I get it. You know, because if we knew more, if we saw more clearly, if we had a better sense of connection, you know, with how things are, we would do, we'd do better. And we, we don't right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I tell that to my daughter now. I tell that to Lila. Like, when you know better, you... She goes do better. And yeah. She only says it when she's like, "I'm caught her doing something," <laughs> you know. And I feel like those. I feel like a TV dad when I yeah. do that. It's like I have a thing now that she has to repeat, um, which is nice. It makes me feel homely. But yeah, yeah. So some of your tweets in front of me, so I wanted to read some because they're they're so fun, and some of them oh, I can ask your permission later, you know, to put in my book and um, mm. in. Inspiration. Not having all the answers right now is perfectly fine. Though this road may feel like a path once traveled, no two steps are the same. Holding on to a fixed view of the when or the how serves you no good. Having it all figured out is not the way in. Honoring your journey is. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that does sound pretty cool. I that, hear does it that does sound pretty cool. I, I, it's it's um, you know, we say in advertising, um, WIP, right? A lot like work in progress. And I think oh. we are, right? Like we are, I think we, we are all works in progress. Mm-hmm. I, I know for myself, especially. And so I think for me, that tweet was really about reminding myself, like it is, it's about the in-between. It's all about this in-between of like, and like getting there, it, it's, I don't even know what there is. You know, and I'm trying to let go more and more of what there is, you know, because mm-hmm. um, like there's there's always going to be a new there. I think if we're looking mm-hmm. at goal, goal oriented versions of like a journey as opposed to just walking. Like my favorite kind of walking is the walking that my dad used to do, I think, before he passed away, which is like just not walking to a destination mm-hmm. per se, but just walking because it feels good to use my body in that way. And so I think mm-hmm. that's what I imagine what I would like to imagine journeying is for me, but then also what I hope journeying can be for everybody. It's just like, go, mm-hmm. you know? Because like we spend so much time, I think, trying to steer, you know, mm-hmm. and power mm-hmm. steer, right? Like, oh, I got to go left. Oh, I got to I gotta go to the store. Or oh, I got to go to, I don't know, sleep. Or I got to go as opposed to just like I'm here. And like, what does my body need? And, and what do mm-hmm. I need, you know, in this moment, you know? And just journeying with that in mind. It's so beautiful. And here's one I know is uh, destined, hopefully, for my book. It's an awe because I recognize it. We put so much pressure on ourselves to make something extraordinary 
out of this existence of ours, when in reality, our breath, the mere presence of our flesh, our feet touching ground and our hands reaching for a forever burning sun is as extraordinary as we need to be. I have, <laughs> that almost made me cry. This feels, that sounds really silly because I wrote it. So that mm-hmm. makes me feel weird about it. But I, I remember writing that and I don't know, like, I mean, Sharon, even being able to hold like, okay, now this might make me cry, but like, you know, I, I don't know how much time we have here, you know? And yeah. Um, yeah. I think for me, it's like, even you reading that reminds me to be grounded in like the moment of, oh, I'm getting to talk to Sharon right now. You know, like you, your book is on, like you, your book is, is in my bookshelf right behind me where, mm-hmm. where, where I'm recording. And, you know, I think about the fact that like I'm blinking right now, right? You can't see me, but I'm blinking. Mm-hmm. And while I'm blinking, thoughts are coming, right? Like there's words coming out of my mm-hmm. mouth that I'm not about but I am thinking about like that's wild to me like that we get to do this like I can look out this window and like the wind is blowing but there's like a thing that's happening in order to make the wind happen and the trees are moving it like that to me that to me is miraculous like that's magical Mm -hmm. you know it's how do we make and like it's impossible to be in that space all the time but if we can just get to a point where we can remind ourselves of these things that every interaction every time we engage with the person whether it's buying our coffee or calling a bill co- like getting a call from a bill collector that we don't want to get or because that happened to me today oh, um, <laughs> I, think, I think it was a spam call though um pretty sure i'm like i don't owe y'all money he's lying mm-hmm. um or like, I don't know, waiting for the bus or picking my daughter up from school or like all these things that I think can tend to feel trivial are not going to feel trivial when we don't know how much time we have left, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and because of that, it's like I, I just want to I want to keep reminding folks. And I think repetition gets to be a big part of that. Like sometimes I have to say I, we say things over and over again. And it's easy for me, especially in the social media world, to feel like, oh, I've said this already. But mm-hmm. not everyone, not everyone gets the tool at the yeah. same time. Right. And so, but I need the tool first anyway. So I'm going to keep saying the same things over mm-hmm, and over mm-hmm. until it feels like a muscle work for me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, just wanting to remind people to just like, this is, this is, we are living, walking, breathing miracles. I don't have to think about breathing. That is a really big deal because mm-hmm. there are people who have, have machines for that. You know, yeah, like, yeah. it's like, this is, there's, there's, I don't know, this is so much magic in that to me. Well, I think we do need to hear things over and over again, at least like Asian monastic pedagogy is entirely about repetition. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. and you just hear yes. it again and again yes. and again and again. Well, you know, you listen to those talks, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, can we talk about something else? You know? <laughs> But, you know, it's a very Western thing in a way about novelty, you know, and it all has to be new or it's not fresh. And it's interesting when you're in a different environment, you know, and it's again and the same thing. But (laughs) each time you realize, oh, I heard a little something I hadn't heard before. Yeah, yeah. There's like, yeah, a little something. It's new. It's different. And we get to... We get to visit those places over and over again. And like I think for a little bit I was uh not judging myself, but again, over I think overthinking 
the process as opposed to just being here for the process, you know? You wrote something on pride, which I also have a section on pride (laughs) Mm. Uh, or (laughs) self-respect. The world is changing and so are you, but the core of you, the spirit in you remains. Honor that, cherish that. Um, it, I think that goes back to what we literally we were just talking about this, yeah. right? The the this the circumstances and the circumstantial things that um, can like there's certain things that like okay, I I don't know. Last week we were just eating a lot of Mexican food, mm-hmm. just were. This is like I don't know for whatever reason. It's not a core value. It's not a core tenant of mine. It's a thing. It's a like if we want to throw that in a group of of behavior. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's a like we are eating out regularly, whatever. Mm-hmm. But the, the 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 value system doesn't shift based on these other things that are affecting why we were eating Mexican food. That's probably a horrible example. But the idea that we, we how we show up in the world doesn't have to be um, a reflection of the world. I mean, it's mm-hmm. very like biblical in that way, you know, right? Mm-hmm. That this notion of not like you're a part of the world, but you don't have to become the world that you're a part of. And right. so I think it's easy to point fingers or to point blame or to judge and and go, oh, this, this because this thing is happening, I now must do this. Mm-hmm. And I think in respond to the thing that is maybe triggering us or, um, bringing a response out of us, but it doesn't mean we have to shift who we are intrinsically because of that. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's 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 imp- like because when I because like if I have a core set of like this is what speaks to me, this is what means the most to me. It's a lot easier for me to say yes and no to things mm-hmm. and to people that aren't in alignment with that and mm-hmm, not feel guilty mm-hmm. about it either. You know. Hmm. Okay, and love. (laughs) Energy check. How are you feeling today? How are you breathing today? How are you loving today? How are you sitting right now? How are you being right now? Clear space. Make room. Dig deeper. You're so good. (laughs) You're basically writing my book. No, (laughs) I think, I mean, part of it is because I'm so inspired. I mean, Reading is funny because when you're reading it out loud, it's I'm inspired by you. I'm inspired by folks like you, and I and I mean that truly, Sharon. Like there's, you know, like I there's a way that I speak, right? That's different than the way you speak. Mm-hmm. That's different than the way mm-hmm. my partner speaks. Whatever, but I think so much of that is even while you again you reading that out loud made me check my posture, and it's like okay, yeah. I wrote that because I knew in that moment I had to check myself, and I'm like okay, I was feel I can't remember why, but like I probably was feeling tight about something and. Because of the practice, I was able to come back to something, mm-hmm. right? That was like, okay, like a foundation. And once you have a tool, right? If I have, mm-hmm. if I know, if I know I need a screwdriver, I know where to find it in, right. in the apartment, right? That's like right. I have a t- I have tools. And so like the work that you, you've done and continue to do just gives me more tools in my toolbox. And so when I'm doing that, it's like, oh, if I have the tools, I'd be remiss not to share those tools with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so- when in those moments that I'm afforded and I can like come back to something, I'm like, if I'm coming back to this, you prop somebody else probably needs to come back to this too. Cause mm-hmm. if I'm feeling tight, somebody on this platform of a billion people is probably feeling tight. So hopefully this will give them the room to like check in with themselves. Like, oh, there's a pandemic going on. Oh, 
Maybe you're having an argument with your spouse. Oh, maybe you didn't get the raise that you that you wanted or whatever. Or like you and your child are having a disagreement or whatever. Someone, you just lost somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, let's check in with each other. Because I think the more we check in with each other, going back to space, right? The more yeah. space we create for each other in the process. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. So what's next for you? Do you have projects? Do you have... Mm. You're going to start performing live again, perhaps, right? Perhaps, hopefully. Um, I, I think, you know, there might be a performance at Wild Birds, which is this uh, venue in Brooklyn, outdoor performance over the summer, mm-hmm. which would be great. You know, and I already told you, we'd love to have you. I'll keep yeah. you posted. Um, you know, the, the um, my, my, my book proposal is out the door. Um, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Literally, literally, shine like about two, about two weeks ago. Um, the working title right now is "What Kind of Black Are You," um, uh-huh. and it's really just exp- like an essay collection. Um, um, some new essays, some older essays with a lot more meat to them, which I'm really excited about. Uh-huh. Of like tapping into some old stuff was like some new thinking. Um, uh-huh. But really, just looking at the looking at the at the world through the lens of pop culture and blackness, and specifically through like the cis hetero black um, black uh-huh. masculine uh-huh. perspective, um, right, right. like how that's colored my world and, and <laughs> for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and trying to, you know, and, and, and giving some, uh, trying to bring some more vulnerability into these spaces um, that, that I'm writing about. So I'm talking about my body, talking about race. I'm talking about rap music. I'm talking about making adult friends. Like there's a lot of things that I, like I'm trying to like touch on that I think uh-huh. were uncomfortable for me to write about, which means I probably yeah. should be writing more about them. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I wrote, I wrote about that, too. Like, I have a, a little section on, uh, you're the first person I've talked to publicly about this book, actually. Uh, yes. I have a little section on creativity, and Ooh. I talked about when I was um, working on Faith, which was, like, more than mm. 20 years ago, and that was when I started spending time. I grew up in New York, but um, right. it was when I was working on Faith that a friend of mine offered me her apartment that she was leaving for a few mm. months to be there and write, you know, so that yeah. I, that's when I sort of came back to New York as an adult. And she was a, an editor actually. And she had this big sign over her computer, which said something like, um, tell the story that scares you. Mm. And I kept mm-hmm. looking at it thinking, I don't want to. No, thanks. No, thanks. I don't really <laughs> want to do that. Okay, I don't really want to do that. Yeah, no, yeah, it's that. That's that's where the that's where the healing is. That's where yeah, the love is. Yeah. Like, uh, I had my first uh, ketamine psychotherapy experience uh-huh. uh, a couple of weeks ago. Actually, yeah, about four weeks. And literally, like, I've never taken psychedelics before, mm-hmm. and I've been in- very much interested and invested in the process. And it was the most amazing experience I ever. That's had, so great, like by far, and. You know, like literally an out of body experience, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think part of, and I bring this up because I think that at one point I was underwater, and uh, I was following this dragon type entity, and the dragon was like, um, "Come on!" and there was like some brief hesitation because I was also a dragon, like, but almost like a voyeur. It was like mm-hmm. a VR experience for me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I, fo- I followed the dragon and it was just amazing. We was just going through water and whatever. And like, I keep coming back to that moment because what I heard in that moment was surrender. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was like, you know, like letting go and like the come on was a call to action for me to go, just go, 
Like, you don't have to, if it's scary, because, like, it was scary. It's like, I'm a dragon, what the fuck? And I'm following <laughs> this dragon. Like, I'm underwater, Sharon, like, what's going on? Yeah. And, but for me, it was like, oh, let go. Like, what else are you, what, what, are, you, what are you afraid of? And just go. And so mm-hmm. I think that's, for me, like, the process of writing even just the proposal, yeah. you know, for me was, like, looking at some of these essays. Like, I talk about my father and Black mortality. Yeah. Yeah. There's, like, yeah. stuff in there. So, like, that's the thing that's coming up, I think, that I'm really excited for. And just more community. Like, I, I told myself in 20, um, at the end of 2021, and, like, you're a part of this. Like, I said, I want to make beautiful art with beautiful people. That's mm. all I, I want to do. Um, and to be able to have that as kind of, like, not my New Year's resolution, but it was like, okay, this is what's going to be my North Star for this year. Yeah. And maybe just moving forward Mm because it feels so loose to me. It's like, I don't know what that art looks like and I don't even care anymore. I just want to make it Mm -hmm. and I want to make it with my community and and do it for as long as I humanly possibly can. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's the, that's the thing I'm looking forward to. I think more than anything, it's just like making, making things with people. You know? Uh, well, may it be so. And many blessings upon you, really. Oh, thank you, Thank Sharon. you. Thank and you. before we end the conversation today, is there anything else do you want to lead us in some kind of reflection or meditation? I think let's, I want to lead in a reflection. And mm-hmm. I, I think, um, uh, you know, and, and I, I talked about this earlier um, with you, uh, but, you know, and not in not not being morbid in this way, but you know, like we have so but so much time to experience people and 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 things and places, um, and and we don't have a timetable for that, right? There's no mm-hmm. map or calculator we can use to say, oh, okay, I will be here up until, and I don't think we would want that. Um, but with that, for me, the call to action for myself, and I think for us as a community, a community that is very much interconnected because we are all connected to each other, Mm -hmm. right? Like I was listening to something Tara Brock was sharing Mm -hmm. earlier today about interbeing and the idea that Mm -hmm. like no one thing, like everything affects us. Like Mm -hmm. the kindergarten teacher, which is true. Like my kindergarten teacher, like I remember Miss Chow, you know, like everything affects, everything affects everything. And so with that and with us being interconnected beings, this notion that this is all the time that we have in this in this vessel, like whether you believe in reincarnation, whether you believe in a heaven, whether you, whatever, whatever you are praying to, um, this notion that there might be a hereafter. Cool. Great. Got it. But for right now in this vessel, this shell of, of, of human flesh that I have, that my spirit is living in and contained in, like I want to experience the fullness and totality of life and living. And that doesn't mean you go climb Mount Everest. If you want to do that, cool, great. More power mm-hmm. to you. That is not what I'm going to do. But like, you know, I, I want to encourage people to fall in love, to say yes to the job, to mm-hmm. move to the place, right? That's been, that you've been wanting to move to because you don't, you can't get it back. Like you can't, you can't make new memories in that way. Once this time is gone, you can't, you can't mend the relationship. You can't end the relationship. You can't mm-hmm. do all those things after. So like, you know, don't like, don't wait. Like, okay. you know, and if you wait a week, that's fine. If like, if it's a really hard decision, mm-hmm. by all means do it. But like what I've been trying to encourage folks to do more of is like, just do the thing. Like 
tank the thing, sell the thing, join the dance group that you've been afraid to to, to join, or like mm-hmm. call call the 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 per, the person that you're mad at, and you know, or don't, but like mm-hmm. make a decision and and be active and and be proactively loving and intentional about it, but do it because this is it. Wow, it's fabulous. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> here we are, sir. Here we are. Here we are. Well, thank you so much for um, joining me today. And to learn more about Joel's work, you can find him on social media like Twitter, where I follow him obsessively. <laughs> uh, and get yourself a copy of his new spoken word album, Soundtrack to a Riot, available on Spotify and other streaming services. Thank you to all of our supporters out there. Thank you for listening. This has been the Meta Hour podcast from the Be Here Now Network. May you be safe. Be happy, be healthy, may you live with ease. Welcome to the Metta Hour with Sharon Salzberg, where Buddhist wisdom meets everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Be Here Now Network and features interviews with the top leaders, teachers, and thinkers of the mindfulness movement and beyond. For more information, visit BeHereNowNetwork.com backslash Sharon.